Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jay Rich. Rivalry week is over, and that means it's a conclusion to the college football 2023 season. It's been a phenomenal year, but it is time to look ahead to the 2024 NFL Draft class. As Ray pointed out last week, we obviously still have conference championship games and bowl season after that. But for us, it's basically over. We want to start looking ahead. The draft is on its way. It's going to be here sooner than later. We're going to be in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Very excited for that and maybe do some other all-star events as well. But it's time for us to look ahead to 2024. So I am here to bring my first round. Ray did his first round last week. I'm going to be doing my first round this week. Because there is a couple of interesting things I do want to talk about, not just the players themselves, because the value and how you go about this process. I think where we've done so well over the years is that we help people understand why the value is what it is, where the tiers are, and how you can separate yourself amongst your league mates and the reasons why we make these selections. So there's a lot of things that go into this and don't necessarily focus on the players themselves. Focus on the process behind it all. It's not even December yet. So there is still a lot of things have to play out, some value needs to shake out, and there is some players in certain buckets right now that we would say are in a certain spot that may drop or go up, and this is why we walk you guys through the entire process. If it's your first time here, make sure to give us a thumbs up, like the content, and subscribe, because we're going to be doing this all off-season, all draft season. Players going to be going up, players going to be going down, but... I do think this is very valuable because you see how these players trend throughout the offseason. You want to target first rounders. You don't want to be stuck holding the bag on a third rounder. And so all these various things go into how they get placed in a big board, how they get placed in the top 12, etc. And we will walk you through that whole process. So hope you guys stick with us through the entire draft. And of course, join us for our draft stream, which we will do again this year. It was huge last year, but it'll be even bigger this year. And a few other things. If it is your first time here, go and check out the website, DestinationDevy.com, because our team of writers did release a two-round mock draft. So for everyone in the comments asking for two rounds, it is on the website right now, fully available to you. The links to round one and round two will be in the description of this video. And if it's your first video here, here, go and check out Rays from last week. The link is in the description for that as well. He rocked through his top 12 and how he thinks this draft will shake out. But without further ado, let's get into the top 12. At number one, I'm not going to get too spicy, but maybe a little spicy for some people. And I'm not taking Caleb Williams 101. I'm going to be taking Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. It is so rare we have a player of his talent and caliber in a draft class. And you could say that about Caleb Williams, and I understand the next Patrick Mahomes and all this stuff, but the next Patrick Mahomes, I'm not really there. And I think the bigger point for me is you talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. and what he's going to do with the NFL level. 
it, not going to say it's a certainty, but it feels like more of a certain thing that Marvin Harrison Jr. is a top three wide receiver in the NFL quicker than Caleb Williams is a top five quarterback in the NFL. And while value for these guys does shift and change, Caleb probably going to walk into Superflex drafts as a top 10, top six, maybe quarterback if lucky. But I mean, I don't know many people who would take him ahead of a CJ Stroud right now, even a Joe Burrow, you know, Justin Herbert, obviously people may take Caleb over him, but Herbert as well, a phenomenal quarterback. And he's definitely not touching the Hurts, Allen, Mahomes area. There will be people who have him in that tier one. But in my opinion, the only wide receiver that deserves to be in the tier one is Marvin Harrison Jr. And so when you talk about him versus Caleb at the 101, it's an easy pick for me to say today, I want Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't care what team he goes to. It's so rare you have a receiver as the favorite to be the first non-quarterback taken in a draft. And it tells you everything you need to know about the talent that Marvin Harrison Jr. possesses. It's not just the yards, the touchdowns. It's all of the other intangibles and what makes him a great receiver. He doesn't have the best numbers in college football right now, but it's very obvious and very clear that when you watch him play, he is the most dominant player on the field, regardless of what team he's playing against. And that's going to show itself at the NFL level. He's going to walk in probably as wide receiver three in dynasty ranks. And I do think that's going to be fair. It's not going to be unreasonable. He will challenge Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase almost immediately to be the number one wide receiver. And as I mentioned, deserving of being in that top tier. Marv is just a ridiculous talent and people need to at least come to grips with the fact that it's not a bad decision to take Marvin Harrison Jr. at the 101. If you're betting on a player to be a difference maker, retain value year over year, I don't know if that player is Caleb Williams. I love Caleb Williams. He's a phenomenal talent. But he is not a guy that I think that you should take at the 101 today. That may change when it's all said and done. But if he goes to the Bears, are you really going to feel good about that situation? What we've seen in the past, can Caleb Williams elevate that team? You don't want to end up with another Bryce Young situation. Caleb Williams is a far more talented player than Bryce Young is. But if you're in a bad situation, it's very difficult to overcome. We saw this with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in their rookie seasons. It's difficult to overcome bad situations and you may never quite get that value back until everything hits and that may take too long. Marvin Harrison Jr., locked in stud, top three wide receiver in dynasty ranks. Even today, Caleb Williams, you could put him at four, five, six, probably not much lower than that for a lot of people, but he's not locked in as a tier one quarterback because he does have to prove it on the field. I don't believe Marv has to do that. He's shown us enough. He's going to do it in the NFL. I'm most confident today in Marvin Harrison Jr. Now I pretty much got into my next two picks, so I won't talk about it too much. Caleb Williams, still my number two overall player out of USC. He's an unreal talent. Like the talent is all there. He's going to go number one overall, but Again, I still believe that Marv is a safer pick. And if you wanted to go that route, I don't blame you. And at number three, I am taking North Carolina's Drake May. Our Jordan Backus still has him as his number one quarterback in terms of the analytics. And this is where the conundrum of May versus Caleb really comes into play. When you look at the numbers and the analytics and the data behind both these players, it does kind of lean Drake May. He does have a slightly better profile as a quarterback, but when you factor in the intangibles, 
It's like, well, you probably prefer the Caleb Williams. And that's where, you know, you get into the fantasy aspect of it. Drake May might run a little bit more than Caleb Williams as well. And so you do have that to factor in because this is fantasy football we're talking about. This is rookie mock draft season 2024. And if you if your consolation prize at 103 was Drake May, who has the ability to run the ball, obviously has phenomenal arm talent and can deliver the rock. I don't think that's a bad thing. And, and, and I would almost compare him to a Justin Herbert type of player with probably slightly worse arm talent, but still very, very good but can run a much more effectively. And like, you look at what Sam Howell's done this year. I'm not trying to say that he's Sam Howell, but he's like a better version of Sam Howell. He's got better arm talent. He can run the ball very effectively and can be great for fantasy football and still be a top draft pick. So, you know, this is my tier one Marv Caleb and Drake May. I think all three, no matter which one you get, you're going to be happy with. You can make the case for another player. I'm not going to right now, but I think if you're stuck with any of these three guys, you're going to be very, very happy. But again, I would take Marv 101. I think that Caleb is a fine selection at 101 or 102, and Drake May is a very easy selection at 103. I just love what the kid's been doing. Two years as a starter has been phenomenal, really shows the arm talent, the pocket presence, the ability to run the ball when the plays break down. He's sneaky for fantasy football. I know people talk about Caleb's and his ability to run, and he's great as well. I kind of like May a little bit more as a rushing quarterback, but I do like Caleb more as a passer. And I do tend to lean a bit more on the passing side when it comes to these profiles. You know, you could talk about the rushing quarterback, and I understand all things that go into that, but you're not going to be successful in the NFL if you can't throw the football. And so that's where I tend to lean with some of these guys. But I do obviously like both quarterbacks. Both are phenomenal talents. Be happy to have any of them. So one, Marvin Harrison Jr. At two, we have USC quarterback Caleb Williams. And at three, we have North Carolina quarterback Drake May. And that rounds out your tier one. Now getting into tier two, this is a pretty interesting spot. And for me, it's pretty clear cut at four. I'm going to be taking LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors. I think he's one of the most complete wide receivers in the class. I would take him in the top 10 in the NFL draft. And I believe at 104, it's a phenomenal spot. He, for me, is my wide receiver too right now. You can make the case for a few other guys, but Neighbors, what he's doing, probably going to win the Blitnikoff Award. Playing LSU next to Brian Thomas, obviously Jaden Daniels as his quarterback, the second place Heisman player right now. We'll see. Maybe things will change after championship week. But as of right now, Malik Neighbors, in my opinion, should win the Blitnikov. Unfortunate for Marvin Harrison Jr. Because in my opinion, he should have won it last year. They obviously gave it to Jalen Hyatt. But this year, I, I truly believe that Malik Neighbors is playing his way to be the Blitnikov award winner. He's been phenomenal. He's a great downfield threat, whether you put him in the slot or outside. If it was my pick, I think he's a pretty clear-cut guy over Keon Coleman, Romo Dunze, Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy. Like, name a guy. It's Neighbors for me. Neighbors has to be the wide receiver, too, in this draft class. The speed he possesses to blow the top off the defense, these are the things that you need in the NFL. So Neighbors for me is the clear 104, and I'd be happy to have him here in some of these drafts. And right behind him is the guy I just mentioned, Romo Dunze, wide receiver out of Washington, playing with Michael Penix. It helps, right? When you have a great quarterback, you can really showcase your talents at the college football level and obviously for NFL scouts as well. And I believe Odunze just does that week in and week out. At Washington, they throw the ball a ton. But Odunze is the guy who really makes a big difference for this team. He's the guy that when they need to play, he makes it. Again, I believe he's very similar to neighbors. He can operate in all areas of the field. He's a phenomenal wide receiver, great route runner, can obviously win down the field as well. 
those two guys are the two that I would say I really, really want. And there's a couple more down the board. But when you just talk about the players, these guys can be locked in tier two for me. And I believe there's a very good shot. They could both be drafted in the top 15 of the NFL draft. Think of when we had Chris Olave and Jamison Williams up, you know, close to the top 10. That's the kind of range I think is in the range of outcomes for these guys. Obviously, Marv going to be a top three, top five selection very easily. But it's going to push some of these guys up the board because neighbors is a difference-making wide receiver. And in my opinion, head and shoulders above the tier behind him. And I believe Odunze is right there with him. Those are the two guys that I believe could play in the NFL as number one wide receivers very, very early in their NFL careers. We know that Marv can do that. But if I was pegging on two other guys, it would be neighbors and it would be Odunze. They are phenomenal talents. I'm so excited to see them play in their championship games because it's going to be a great weekend. I mean, Oregon and Washington, it's going to be a phenomenal Pac-12 title, and I'm very excited for it. But Odunze has to be locked in at 105 for me. I think it's very easy to look at another player and say, well, maybe you'd rather prefer that guy. I like route runners. I like technicians. I like guys that can get out of breaks and look very fluid through their routes. And for me, that is Malik Neighbors and Romo Dunze. And obviously, they do have some speed as well to back it up. That always helps. But they are clear cut for me in tier two and deserving of top five selections in 2024 rookie drafts. Now at six, I do have LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. As I mentioned, what this guy can do on the field, running the ball, throwing the ball, five-year starter. It's so easy to look at what he did at Arizona State and say, ah, I don't really want that guy. He's old. He's been in the NCAA forever. Why are we taking this guy? The reason why he's up here is because I do believe he is a first-round quarterback. And no matter what you think about these quarterbacks, if they are in the first round, even if they're Kenny Pickett, you take them around the 7, 8, 9, 10 range. You don't want to be taking second-round running backs, second-round wide receivers, etc. over these guys. Now, I do believe we have a plethora of first-rounders as well, but the big thing here is that I do believe Jaden Daniels is a guy who should be a top-20 selection. I wasn't all the way in early, but every week this guy continues to do better and better. He's second in the Heisman running, only behind Bo Nix, but Daniels is the goods. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball accurately. He's been showing it every single week. He's only gotten better and better. I'm not going to say he's like Joe Burrow, but for people who don't remember, and maybe a little bit too young to remember, or you just forgot, Joe Burrow was good before he blew up at LSU. When he transferred to LSU, you started to see things change for LSU. They started to have good quarterback play. They started to put together big passing numbers. And you were like, huh, LSU don't really do this. It's kind of weird. Like, who's that Joe Burrow guy? And if you're paying attention, you started to see that even before the year where they ultimately went nuclear and won the national championship. And it's the same thing for Jaden Daniels. He came to LSU. He wasn't on fire early, but you saw it late in the season when he played very, very well. And he built off of that this year. And now, of course, in the running to be a top 20, maybe even a top 10 selection in the NFL draft, I'm not all the way there yet. And the thing I will say about these quarterbacks and people need to understand is that like, there's probably going to be three to four first round quarterbacks. We know that Drake May and Caleb Williams are locked in, but what I'll say about the other group of guys is that they aren't third round quarterbacks. And so that's where I think, you know, you could poo poo on some of these guys and Daniels is one who gets a lot of hate because he wasn't a great starter out the gate. It took him some time to grow, to mature, but he's been starting every year he's been in college football. And that says a lot about just his talent, what he possesses. 
And then, of course, there's the fact that he's probably going to be great for fantasy football because he has the ability to run at a very high level. So you factor in all these things and it's easy to look at the age and say, well, the experience isn't really a good thing, even though I kind of do like the fact that he's playing so well at a high level in the SEC. And he has the rushing ability as well for fantasy football at six. He's a slam dunk pick. I think he's a top 20 selection. And I think you look at, even if you don't believe he's a first round pick, he's probably a high second round pick. And you could say the same about a lot of other quarterbacks in this draft class. But I do have him as a first rounder. And so I will be taking him at the 106. Easy spot here for me with Daniels. Phenomenal talent. Great rushing upside. Will be great for fantasy football. At seven, this is a guy that people have probably been expecting for a little while now. I'm not all the way in on Brock Bowers, but at seven, I can't ignore the talent he possesses. We've all been seeing what's happening with Sam Laporta, with Dalton Kincaid, even with Michael Mayer at times, these rookie tight ends that are coming in and performing at a very high level in the NFL. Brock Bowers is the next guy who will do that. He's been unreal. The number one target at Georgia ever since he's stepped on the field there as a true freshman was phenomenal, was dynamic, was the number one playmaker for this Georgia team. I love Brock Bowers, but I don't know if he deserves to be this top selection in rookie drafts. I understand the advantage you get at tight end. I just don't believe that Bowers is like the next Rob Gronkowski, the next Travis Kelsey. I'm just not quite there. And part of it is because he's a little bit undersized. And so he can't really dominate in the red zone the way that we've seen some of these guys do. He's still going to be great for fantasy football. I I 100% believe that. But when you're looking at some of these guys, I think I just don't prefer him over an Odunze, over a Neighbors, over a Daniels. You could have him over those guys in your tier one if you want. I'm just not all the way there. I really like Bowers as a talent. I just don't know if he's going to be this top two, top three Mark Andrews type of tight end. The thing is, is that the draft capital is probably going to be there. People will talk about him in the top 10. Again, I'm not really there. I I think if you were to go anywhere, it would be a Malik Neighbors. I think he's a better difference maker at the NFL level. Now, I do believe Brock Bowers has the ability to operate on all three downs. That's not going to be a problem for him. He plays at Georgia. He knows how to block. He knows how to obviously catch passes, has great yak ability. All that is there. I just wouldn't say I'm sold on Bowers right now. And that may change a little bit. But the way the dynasty landscape is playing right now, I just don't know if I could confidently take a tight end higher than seven. Like, I just don't know if I could do that. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. The value he's going to command in the open market isn't going to be there compared to an Odunze or a Neighbors if they hit. And obviously, very rarely are you taking a tight end over a quarterback. So I'm not going to be taking Brock Bowers over Jaden Daniels either. You can make the case if you want. I wouldn't. I think he kind of does what Dalton Kincaid did this year, which is great for fantasy football. But in terms of scoring points, it's kind of like, yeah, you're fine. Like you're getting 11, 12 points. But these big receivers who are hitting 15, 16, like putting up monster numbers. And that's the type of different faker I want on my team. And that's why I have Brock Bowers at seven. Phenomenal talent. Going to be great in the NFL. Probably a top 15 selection. Just for fantasy football, I don't think he needs to be a top six pick. And if you want to take him lower than that, I honestly couldn't blame you because while the tight end class isn't great, I just don't know how much I want to be taking and spending high draft capital on a Brock Bowers to get me 11, 12 fantasy points per game. At eight, if you know me, shouldn't be a big surprise. I'm taking Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin. 
I have been in love with Franklin from the time he was in high school. I think he's one of the most fluid athletes. I think he's great off the line. He's obviously a phenomenal separator down the field. What he's done with Bo Nix this year, 77 receptions, 1,350 yards, and 14 touchdowns going into their title game. It seems like every week this guy's making a big play. When they need a big play, they get the ball to Troy Franklin. In my opinion, he's a back-end first-round pick, and that's why I have him right where I have him. He's just a great talent. Everything that people thought Quinn Johnson was going to be, Troy Franklin can actually do all those things. He can actually get down the field. He can actually separate from his cornerback. He can actually catch the ball down the field. He's a very fluid athlete. He has great yak ability. Like, there's so many things to like with Franklin. He's a bit more of a slender frame, and that's the reason why I think he doesn't quite have the ceiling of a neighbor's or a ceiling of an Odunze or a ceiling of a Marv. He just doesn't quite do it with the physicality that we probably need at the NFL level to be a dominant alpha wide receiver, but he is a guy who can get down the field, is very strong through the catch, and is a phenomenal athlete. And at times, that's the guy I want to bet on, a guy who can separate, who can get down the field, who can win through multiple phases, will probably play primarily outside, but can operate in the slot as well. I just love Troy Franklin. I love his game. And I think you can make the case for the number nine player over him, but I'm going to make the case for Troy Franklin because I just absolutely love the talent. I think he's going to be phenomenal at the NFL level. I love him. And I, and I openly admit maybe some bias here, but at nine, we do have FSU wide receiver Keon Coleman. He's like the exact opposite of Troy Franklin. And this is where I struggle with both these guys. I love Coleman. I love what he does at the catch point. I love what he does separating close, right? He doesn't always have to separate when he's doing it through the route. He can separate by the way he can torch his body, by the way he adjusts to the ball and create separation that way. A lot of the ways that we see Jamar Chase separate and win, even though there's a defender right around him, Keon Coleman does those similar things using his hands, using his body to create separation and win down the field. And that's not really the type of receiver that I like personally. I like guys who can separate with their feet and through the route. But Keon Coleman is so good that I believe he does deserve to be a top selection here. Some people have him as their wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I wouldn't say I'm quite there yet, but the draft capital is probably going to be there. People talk about him in the top 20 higher than Franklin right now. So I do want to mention that. We do tend to lean on draft capital a little bit. So if Franklin was a second rounder, Coleman was a first rounder. I would have Coleman over him most likely because I do want to lean on that draft capital. And as Ray says, having the opportunity to get an opportunity to score fantasy points does lend itself more towards first rounders than second rounders. But I do really love what I've seen from Coleman. He's been dominant. He's been great this year. And I think he's only going to continue to shine at the NFL level. And I think that Coleman definitely deserves to be in the running as the wide receiver three to five. It just depends on where he gets drafted, what the capital is and the team. And I think that's where we'll finally get the order sorted. And why I think that when you're talking about these guys in terms of their value today, they're in similar buckets, right? I do have neighbors and Odunze slightly higher in a higher tier, but when the draft capital comes in, you may view them in similar lights and say, I just want the guy who's in the better spot with the better quarterback, et cetera. And that may be the ultimate separator for some of these players. One of those teams with a draft pick right in the middle there is the Houston Texans. And if they take a wide receiver, I think we're all going to be putting them probably in the top six, right around where I have neighbors and Odunze. And so keep that in mind when you're talking about the actual spots of these guys, because they are very close and will be sort of a draft capital. But today I do have them in two slightly different tiers. And I do think that Coleman is a great talent. And Troy Franklin is a guy I'm very high on. 
who is rising, and I think will be a first rounder when it's all said and done. Now at 10, I do have the Oregon quarterback, Bo Nix. I talked about Jaden Daniels, how he's an older prospect, how people hate on him for that. I think it's even more true for Bo Nix. What he did at Auburn and what he's doing at Oregon, two completely different things, completely different seasons, completely different everything. And I think that matters. Everyone can point to what he did at Auburn and the SEC and the terrible offense he ran for Gus Malzahn. It's two very different things. But what he's doing now is undeniable. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in football, and you can't take that away from him. You can't say the system made him an accurate quarterback. You can't say the system made him throw for 30 touchdowns every single season. You can't say the system and Troy Franklin made him a great quarterback. These things go hand in hand. Malik Neighbors is not a top 15 selection without Jaden Daniels, and Jaden Daniels probably isn't a top 20 quarterback or top 20 selection without Malik neighbors. So you think about all these things, like they do go hand in hand. And the bigger thing for me with Bo Nix is like Ray talks about the trucks and the trailers. I do believe that Bo Nix is a trailer, but there is still good trailers. Like you don't have to have a shitty trailer. You can be a quarterback who can fit in a system, deliver the ball and play very, very well. We see it every week with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's not a bad quarterback. And he's in a phenomenal system. Everyone said, it's the system. It's the system. It's the system. Brock Purdy's telling us that when you're the number one quarterback in EPA per play, it's not just the system. It's you too. And I think it's the same thing with Bo Nix. Not to say that he's going to come in and light the world on fire the way Purdy did, because that may not be the case. But if you're in the right system that fits your skill sets and all you have to do is sit back there, deliver the ball to your playmakers, it can make your job very easy. And that's what Bo Nix has at Oregon. And if he's able to find something similar in the NFL, why can't he be successful? He's showing you every single week what he's capable of in college football. And it's hard to say, well, I'd rather believe in this other guy who isn't putting up the same numbers, who isn't doing the same things Bonex is doing. And when you can't even see the same success in college football, why are we putting these guys on massive pedestals? He has the ability to run the football as well. So for fantasy football, he could be great. He could still give us 20 to 30 rushing yards a game, score some rushing touchdowns, and obviously still deliver the ball as a quarterback. So while, you know, you could look to Auburn, look to that first game he had at Oregon against Georgia, where he got absolutely eviscerated and got killed out there. He rebounded well. He's playing phenomenally. He's on track to win the Heisman. All he has to do is beat Michael Penix, and he's probably going to lock it up. I love what I've seen from Bo Nix. He's been great, and I don't think we should be discounting him too hard, even if he's a second-round quarterback, which, to give some transparency, I do have him as a first-round quarterback. I don't think he's going to be at the top you know, 20, probably at the back end. Someone probably trades up to go after him. But at that point, he's a first-round quarterback. You draft him in the first round of rookie drafts. I don't think it needs to be very complicated. You could go after other guys, take running backs, be my guest. But the reason why Will Levis was still, you know, a top 12-ish guy was because the talent was there, projected first round, and went high in the second round. If Bo Nix, who, again, has great talent, has great numbers, has done all the things he needs to do on the field to earn your respect as a top quarterback, and then he gets drafted high, we need to have confidence in that. We need to have confidence that a team believes in him. You look at Kenny Pickett, as I mentioned, you could say he stinks but he's been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And at some point, the Steelers need to make a decision. Maybe the decision is Bo Nix. I don't know. But I do think that Bo Nix is deserving of a top 12 selection. Some people are like, oh, I don't know. Auburn, this, that, or the other. Look at what he's done on the field and tell me that he's not a good quarterback. Whether he's good or not at the NFL level, 
We're going to see. I believe he can be, but I really like what I've seen from Knicks. And I really think that even at 10, probably a bit of a discount depending on where he lands. But I think this is a more than fair ranking based off kind of where we had him initially, where he's at now, and where I think he will be when the NFL draft ultimately comes about. I'll kind of speed things up to wrap it up a little bit because it's going a little bit longer than I was hoping it would. At 11, I'm taking Ohio State wide receiver Emeka Ibuka. I think the thing with Ibuka where I struggle with him in the top 12 is that he's kind of been the same guy. He's always been the Ohio State. He's good, not great. Everything he does is good, not great. I haven't seen much improvement over the years for Ibuka. I think the talent's always been there. He just never really elevated himself in the offense. He's fine. He's a great receiver. He could easily be a first-round receiver. I don't know if it, when it's all said and done, he ends up there. It seems like he's a guy who early on Ohio State was wide receiver two or wide receiver three. And now it's like, well, he might be wide receiver four. He might be wide receiver five. He might be wide receiver six. And his slipping, he's a guy who can play outside a bit, probably operates better as a slot, probably a two or three in the NFL, can be more than fine as a talent. And the reason why I have him up here is because I do think he has a pretty good shot going in the first round. I don't want to discount him too much because we did this with Chris Olave. Now, Chris Olave was, I believe, a top 12 or top 11 draft pick. So let's not take that away from him. But Olave was often discounted because he played next to Garrett Wilson. And he was the third wide receiver to JSN. And now it's pretty clear that he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I don't think Ibuka has that kind of impact at the NFL level, but there is a world where maybe we're discounting him a little bit because he's playing next to the best wide receiver that we've seen in years in Marvin Harrison Jr. So I do think there's a world where Ibuka is great, and I do think he's deserving of a top 12 selection today. If he's a first-round pick, you take him in the first round. It's very, very simple. You don't have to overthink it. You could take, you know, another guy a little bit later, quarterback, running back, another wide receiver. But if he's a first-round talent, he's in consideration, and that's why I have him at number 11. At 12, let's spice things up a little bit and go a different direction. This isn't a pick that I normally make, but I do believe that in this spot, this player is in a very unique situation. I'm talking about Trey Benson, the running back out of Florida State, 6'1", 211 pounds, coming off a three-touchdown game against Florida in the rivalry game. I do think there's a world where he's a top running back, and he's going to be a second-round pick. I wouldn't say he's a third-round pick. He has the size. He has the receiving profile that can lend itself to that second round capital, he's not going to be a first rounder. Everyone who's saying, oh, Trayvon Henderson this, Trayvon Henderson that, like, you need to understand that Trayvon Henderson may be the most talented running back in the draft class, but if he's not on the field and he's not available, people may just prefer Trey Benson. And Trey Benson is a guy who's been starting for the past two years, 14 touchdowns last season, nine last year, obviously FSU much better this time around. But what we've seen from Benson, both between the tackles, in the receiving game, outside the tackles as well. I just think he's one of the most complete running backs in the class. You can look to a few other guys when you talk about the size, the ability to hold up to the NFL, has a receiving profile that isn't an absolute zero like we've seen in the past from some of these primary rushers. I think Trey Benson checks all these boxes. So when he gets that second round draft capital and when he's ultimately some people's RB1 simply because he gets the capital, he goes to the right team, he's in a great situation and he has a complete profile profile, that's where I think there's a great spot for him. You could look to plenty of other backs, but Benson is a guy who will rise throughout the process. And even though his numbers aren't the super high end, he's going to show it on the field. He's going to rise throughout the process. And when you're talking about a player who can do everything, 
Trey Benson is that. He's a guy who a lot of people had pegged as a top-end running back throughout the year. Now, that kind of dwindled at times, but when it's all said and done, I think we walk out of draft classes and say, Trey Benson probably should have been our running back one because in a draft class with a lot of uncertainty at running back, He's one of the most stable, better profiles we've seen and should get great draft capital. And so all those things considered, Trey Benson for me could be in the top 12. And for right now, is one of the running backs I believe in the most of all of them. And there's a lot of options out there. So again, it's not so much that I'm trying to pick the right player. And I believe Benson is that player today. It could be any running back. We saw Zach Charbonnet as a guy who was almost a first-round pick last year, and Devon A. Chain as well, another guy who was in the running as a potential first-round pick. Now, we have a lot more quarterbacks this year, but I do think a running back will sneak in, and if I was picking a guy today, give me Trey Benson at 12, and that wraps up our big board, our first round. I will do a quick recap here for you guys because it was a little bit longer than I expected. Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one, USC quarterback Caleb Williams at two, North Carolina quarterback Drake May at three, LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors at four, Washington wide receiver Rome Odunze at five, LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels at six, Georgia tight end Brock Bowers at seven, Troy Franklin wide receiver out of Oregon at number eight, Keon Coleman wide receiver out of Florida State at nine, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix at 10, Emeka Ibuka, wide receiver out of Ohio State at 11, and Trey Benson, running back out of Florida State at 12. Let me know what you guys think of the list. This is going to be a fluid list. It's going to change. Don't focus on the players themselves. Focus on how we're viewing this draft class. We have four first-round quarterbacks. We have five first-round wide receivers, a first-round tight end even potentially a running back we think could sneak into the top 12 of rookie drafts. There's a lot of things that are going to change, but make sure you tap in with us, like the content, subscribe. Ray will be back next week with his updated big board after championship week. So until next time, let me know what you think of the list. Let me know who you have in, who you have out, and who you got next week.